started as any other day. Welcome to another episode of Macabre Reality, true stories of everyday horror. Matt is right over there. Hey, Matt. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. Um, I want to say thank you for watching my cats. Uh, well, I only watched one of them because, you know, the other one is more theoretical. That's, that's right. She's very scared of you. She hates you. Um, well, but, if she exists. Yeah. I've never exists. actually seen her. I, I think I saw her, but now I'm not sure that I did actually see her. She's there. I promise. But thank you. I appreciate you. You're welcome. And I oh. said... I. I Played some boys, some men, said goodbye <laughs> at the end of the road. I think, yeah. Well, we you, you can play that in the when you uh, put this together. And edit it. Okay, just um, so only like 10 I seconds. I had to say goodbye to, to Fernie because I probably won't ever see him again. Yeah, we got to give him away, but you know. But, you know, it's fine. Yeah. She's got to find a nice new family for him, but end of an era. It is. God bless him. <clears throat> and I'm feeling blazed and blessed. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're feeling so good. <laughs> Ooh, I, I did not see that coming. Okay. I didn't want to talk about the cat for a second, but we hey, got there. Hey, well, people need to know. Yeah. So I mean, you asked. Yeah. Well, I might, you as well, asked. I might as well expand just a little bit because it sounds weird now. We had a baby. The cat is like, nah, I don't really like the baby. So he started peeing on the furniture. Mm-hmm. Not aggressive or anything like that, but we just, he's just, we can't do it because we're going to have the baby for the next at least 18 years. Right. So. you Well, I mean, you chose the baby over the cat. That is. I, I don't know. It was not necessarily the choice I would have made, but you know, well, it's not my choice to make. That's what I thought to myself. You know, it's not my choice to make. Well, you can have him. Anyways, man. Yeah. Let's well, see. no, because yeah, I can't. <laughs> well, let's let's get into this one. We have another wild ride for the mob today. Yeah. We, oh yeah. I think we're uh, today we discuss a train ride to the worst vacation ever, unless you bought the heaven package. If you upgraded to the heaven package. That's still trip for you. Uh, it was still a rough ride to get there. This is the Ufa train disaster. It was past 1 a.m. on June 4th, 1989, about 50 kilometers from the city of Ufa in the Ural Mountains of western Siberia, when two trains heading in opposite directions approached each other. Many of the 1,284 passengers on the trains were children heading to a Black Sea resort for summer camp. However, unbeknownst to the crew and the sleeping passengers, They had entered into a huge cloud of highly flammable natural gas, which was leaking from a nearby pipeline and had been for some time. At 1.14 a.m., as these two trains were passing in the night, a spark was created by one of the trains, and the serene darkness of the landscape was banished in an instant by a massive explosion that could be heard and felt for hundreds of kilometers. By some estimates, the blast force was equal to 10 kilotons of TNT, not much smaller than the Hiroshima bomb. Seven of 37 rail cars were essentially incinerated, and at least 575 people, and possibly as many as 780, perished. Hmm. Yeah, dude, the Hiroshima bomb, that was only 5,000 more kilotons, or tons, I'm sorry, 5,000 more mm-hmm. tons. Little boy, right? Right. What was the other one called? Uh, well, I think it was Fat Man and Little oh, Boy. Fat Man, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think Fat Man was the first one, and Little Boy was oh, the second one. So I could be wrong about that. Well, either way, it doesn't matter. Right. I and mean, that's a huge blast. And, man, they're all going on to either summer camp or vacation. Right. And now, to be clear, this is not a radioactive blast here. Right. 
Right. Uh, but just the force of the explosion was equivalent to uh, 10 kilotons is like what a hundred thousand or a million or how much TNT, many, many, many tons of TNT. Um, so yeah. yeah. 15,000 tons. That's what it is. I is it 15,000? Yeah. 15,000 tons of uh, TNT. So, so, that's so 10 kilotons is 10,000. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And that's absolutely insane. And how would you, you, you would never know natural gas is just leaking out. I mean, unless somebody's I mean, over there smelling so it. So apparently, like, well, yeah, you. I guess you would smell it if they. And so you don't. It, I don't think it emits a natural smell, but like propane, they put something in it so that you yeah. can smell it. It gives it that farty smell. Right. Um, presumably, they did do that here because there were there was reports, uh, and we'll get to this, uh, people noticing there might be a gas leak. So presumably, it's because they smelled it because you can't see it. Well, if you smelt it. Well, not in this case. Somebody else dealt it, and they dealt it big time. (laughs) In December 1980, the Minister of Petroleum of the USSR proposed to Soviet leaders the construction of a natural gas liquids, that's NGL, pipeline connecting western Siberia to the Volga region. Are you familiar with these areas, Josh? Mm, Absolutely familiar. Yeah, so western Siberia is like, so you know where Siberia is? Yeah, I know. Listen, I know western Siberia. Like if you're looking at it on a map... On the left-hand side. You know that I use a GPS to still get it around the city I was grown up in. That I grown up I, in. That I grown up in. That I grown up in. So, ask me if I know if, if I know Western Siberia. Is, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's it's on silly. the it's on the near side of Siberia if you're in Western Russia. Well, I know nobody eats shredded wheat. So yeah, to yeah. the left. Mm-hmm. Got you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And then the Volga region is down in the south, uh, going the along Volga the, the always... Volga. Ah. Yeah, um, down in the south along the Volga River, which uh, is down in the leads out to the Caspian Sea. Mm. That would make sense though. It was called the Volga region, and it was a river. You know what it Are used to be called? Me? You know what it used to be called? What Stalingrad? Oh my! And it was God. where a huge battle happened. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Word. However, as there were no rules or regulations for the development of such a large NGL, and so I don't know if I, should I say NGL or natural gas liquids? Will you be what, from what do here? You think? Well, here, here's what I think. Mm-hmm. From henceforth, you can say NGL as long okay. as everybody knows it's natural gas liquids. liquids. So basically, yeah, and I'll hopefully I won't repeat myself, but to to transport natural gas, you have to transport it in liquid form, which means you have to under intense oh. pressure, which liquefies it. Um, because otherwise, to transport as a gas is way too unstable. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. So it's natural gas liquids, but but because it has to be, it has to be really cold under intense pressure. Hmm. Um, so if it breaks out of the pipe, it's going to warm up very quickly and return to its gaseous state. That is interesting. I did not. Yeah. I did not know that. Like that's why, like you know, like Jupiter and like you know these gaseous planets are like made of like chemicals and stuff that are in like gaseous form or like. In like and so in, like in our atmosphere would be like gases, but it, they turn into liquids yeah. under the pressure of the, the the planets they're in. Yeah, that's crazy. And so it's sort of like that. You're creating this intense atmospheric pressure within these pipes to turn it into a liquid, which makes it easier to transport. But it's still very. I mean, it's just inherently a very dangerous uh, huh. thing to be doing. I was just immediately thinking about a fighting gas named gaseous clay. Continue. Okay. Continue. Yeah. However, as there are no rules or regulations for the development of such a large uh, NGL, natural gas liquids, pipeline, the ministry used standard blueprints for oil and gas pipelines 
so that construction could begin simultaneously with its design. And this is the same thing they did at Chernobyl. Oh. I mean, yeah. you can't, you're designing the thing that you're build. you're already building it. Right. So you're designing it. There's no testing it. There's no, like, like, you got to design it first. You got to design it. For, you gotta, design, it sounds like the fucking guy who made the water slide. That yeah. Decapitated that little pool. Yeah. Little boy. It's almost like they're working backwards. I almost think like, they're just like, all right, we're going to build this thing and just retrofit it to whatever it needs to do. Oh yeah. To be a, a, a NGL pipeline. And yeah. And, yeah. and then we'll, we'll file the paperwork we need to like, and, and whatever, just basically we're going to push this project through without yeah. knowing without, and we'll get to it. They, they get, they were, they had incentive to do it. Um, it's always money. Honey. So did I, okay. The, and I, I don't know if I'm repeating myself. Um, yeah. Thus as construction began, the pipeline was built to specifications that were proper for a crude oil pipeline, but which were dangerously unsafe for a natural gas pipeline. Uh, so among those things, a a seventy seven hundred and twenty millimeter diameter was chosen uh, for the pipe, um, as this is what they use for their crude oil pipelines. However, natural gas liquids cannot be safely transported in a pipeline exceeding four hundred millimeters due to quote. And this is uh, from a book I relied heavily on, which I'll mention in a second here, um, or at the end, due to the physical features of the hydrocarbon mix in NGLs, which reduces the temperature of the pipe. Um, so you have this wider pipe and then moreover, the thin insulation they're using in the pipelines was not suitable for NGL transportation, uh, which is characterized by continuous temperature changes. And notably, like we were talking about, it's got to, it's got to be under high pressure and it's got to be cold. So what you need is a small, a thinner pipe yeah. and it needs to be wet, like, like thickly insulated. Um, so you're creating a small space in high pressure and under very cold. Yeah. Instead they have a big, bigger pipe thin uh, thin insulation and thin um, like the, the metal the, the pipe itself is thin yeah and the more space you have the warmer it can get and it's not going to be under as much pressure obviously it won't be as so difficult sounds, to keep it under high pressure and to keep it really cold well they just they're building from the wrong template and not oh shit I mean they're building they're building it like it's a right. crude oil pipeline right do they not are they just uninformed like no that's just it they they okay. were informed i mean they're they're building something that's a mass this is a massive construction like project and no, well, they had experts from other countries warning them that hey this is you can't do this but they they oh, just, they Siber- just push it for, siberian way baby it, it's just yeah they're just West, pushing it through it was siberia <laughs> so we mentioned chernobyl i guess we mentioned um uh what was it uh the the hbo show oh yeah yeah, sure. So you remember that guy at the beginning when like um, when the the plant exploded, that guy mm-hmm. who was like throwing books at people, like just telling them, just fucking just do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Diatlov, I think his name was. Um, I get the impression there's like a lot of these I'm guys sorry, who are just really pushy and, and just not realizing like this is extremely dangerous what you're doing. And it's like, fuck it, we're going to do it because they want to get the promotion. They want to get the the better job, the yeah. higher salary, the more power and all that, all that, all that thing. That's what you got to do. Especially in a place like West Siberia, born and raised. Man, you fucking hammering away that thing. All right. In order to uh, reduce costs, the Ministry of Petroleum canceled the installation of an automatic telemetry system, which would have provided real-time data and control over any leaks in the pipeline. Yeah, I looked up telemetry. Yep, said it right the first time too, baby. Oh, yeah. Right there live for you. Yeah. Instead, what that meant. Yeah. (laughs) 
Instead, they relied on helicopter sorties and teams of trackmen on horseback with uh, gas detectors. Oh, no. <laughs> How did I not see any of this? You Oh, you went through a book. That's right. Good on you. Yeah. You did your um, research. Yeah, so they don't... They, no way, man. So not only they, they don't do what would just be standard operating procedure anywhere else in, in the construction of something like this, which would be to have a system that provides you real-time data and control over yeah. leaks in the system. They're going to use horses. Because this, this is incredibly dangerous. <laughs> they, they use, they're use they're using helicopters and men on horses. And the reason they, had, they were in the Ural Mountains, so they couldn't, they couldn't be on foot. They needed like, these horses to ride around. these. Think of like, this is like Afghanistan or something. Yeah, that's stupid as shit. Yeah. To, why, and with gas detectors. Why, why not use Siberian Huskies, man? They, I'm, I'm sure some of them can smell gas, right? I, can they go you through could the mountains? You probably train that. Can they go through the mountains? I don't know, They man. pull sleds, baby. But in the mountains? They do, they do that out in the tundra and shit. Okay, fair I don't enough. know if you can pull that shit up a mountain. Well, why are they called Siberian Huskies then if they're not from the mountains of Siberia? Not all of it's mountains. This is just the Ural Mountains. I think some of it's like tundra and shit. I'm just saying. Whatever. Just saying. We're just talking about the the particular region here. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, they abandoned this too. They stopped the helicopter. So they're, they're just trying to. They didn't have the money or, or whatever. They didn't want to pay for it. What? So they they fired the teams of trackmen on horseback with gas detectors. <laughs> so later they to uh, to save costs they had to um, the pipeline operators had to rely on information from locals about leaks. <laughs> <in the pipeline. laughs> Y'all smell something? <laughs> Go door to door. Y'all Come smell on. anything? <laughs> Comrade, does it smell like farts over there? <laughs> Only because my wife. Furthermore, the rough landscape of the Ural of the Ural Mountain region in which the pipeline was being constructed created difficult logistical conditions. Thus, the pipeline was built near the railway. Indeed, for 273 kilometers, you know how many miles that is? No. <clears throat> Almost 170 miles. Okay. Yeah. The pipeline and railway for that length of, of, of the line were less than one kilometer, which is just over half a mile apart. So the pipeline at some points is running very close. Only to, a half mile away um, from it. Yeah. To and, the railway. And the wrong Again, pipe. Uh, if, I think maybe if it's a crude oil, this kind of stuff is not as important because crude, crude oil is not as combustible. And well, yeah, it's not going to. It's not going to create a cloud right. that's going to explode. A spark wouldn't necessarily set it off unless it landed. Yeah, in I, don't, it. I don't know. Yeah. It'd have to it's be. Just, it's just not as dangerous. Situation. Yeah. But this is extremely dangerous. It wouldn't explode right away either. It would just catch on no. fire, I would imagine. It, I think, yeah, exactly. Uh, can, can I stop you for a second? Sure. What does a gas detector consist of? I think it's that like little device and you put it on the end of a stick. <laughs> or maybe it is the stick. I think it's like, it was so like a little wine. It's like a little wine. So they just it? got branches off of trees that just rode horses. Like, gas, any gas. We don't see. We don't smell farts. We don't smell nothing out here. Stick. Why, do you, why do your Russian people sound like they're from Alabama? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question, too. You're full of good yeah, questions. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's kind of funny, some of the, the shit they were doing. But then it all ends really Really badly. Oh, yeah. For children. Yeah. A lot of children, man. Yeah. I was going to say, there was a third train carrying a bunch of orphans, but luckily that one got out of there in time. Yeah. That one, um, <laughs> that one didn't happen. Uh, let's see. They didn't upgrade their package to yeah. heaven. As the pipeline was constructed according to standard procedures for building a crude oil, crude oil pipeline, uh, the unique risks of transporting, uh, and we've talked about this, uh, of transporting NGLs was not factored in. Uh, despite the fact that they all knew all along that they were building a natural gas yeah. pipeline. 
Um, thus, it also passed through some uh, highly populated areas, while which, while not a problem for an oil pipeline, like we said, presents significant dangers as an NGL pipeline. And ironically, it was an attempt to make the pipeline safer that contributed directly to the disaster. Of course. How you say? How? Uh, in order to mitigate the risk in a particular populated area, in September and October of 1985, Builders returned to 170. So they built this thing in the early 80s, and so it was pretty much done. And then in 85, they returned to one segment of the pipeline to build a bypass around a village, which was less than a kilometer from the pipeline. And so construction work involved the use of a powerful excavator, which caused mechanical damage to the pipe near the bypass. Moreover, near where the pipeline uh, ran among the rocks of the rough terrain, nothing was done to create some kind of cushion, like a layer of sand, to protect the pipeline. I mean, you'd do that even for some corrugated pipe in your lawn. Um, Finally, nobody on the construction and maintenance crews checked the condition of the pipeline before uh, resuming the flow of NGLs through the bypass section. So Mm. this is where, and we'll, I mean, I'll I'll cover it, but this is where the the rupture occurred. Yeah. And they they did this to make it safer. So they basically punched a hole in it? Yeah, so they, 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 um, you get what they did. They, they just kind of went around the town. And so they had yeah. to, at, at two points on either side of the town, they had to break into the existing line and to create that bypass. And, and when, the, and I guess they didn't do it properly oh. and it ruptured at that point. Well, so I like the weld point basically. Yeah. Know? Something like that. Dude. Well, why would they, why, I mean, what do they think was going to happen? If there were, listen, if there was no town around and they were just like, there's nothing out here, let's just throw it together. Fuck it. Right. I can. All right. Well, I see you're still lazy as shit. I still see why you would do that, though. But building it, and then all of a sudden there's a town and there's a train next to it. It's like, yeah, just fucking do it the right way. Well, I mean, first of all, you should have planned out a route before you even started building. I mean, you should have right. known where where it's going. But yeah. maybe it was just like the best route went through these towns and they didn't give a shit. Or, or And again, they're looking at, at all their do- rules and regulations they're dealing with Stupid. are all concerning crude oil pipelines. And so it might not right. have been a problem if it were a crude oil pipeline. And since those are all the, those are the rules they're referring to, it's kind of like they're being reinforced in their own lie. Like they know what they're building it for, but they didn't have those rules and regulations because apparently they'd not built an, an NGL pipeline on this scale before. So as they're kind of they're I think they're making up the rules as they go. Basically. So it's in it stubbornness too at the same time. Well, it's Good. a, it's a desire to um, get the project done as quickly as possible so that you can get promotions, you can get reward yeah, awards, uh, which they did. Um, <laughs> it just it just means more money, more prestige for the people involved that they can get it done quickly. It was all about getting things done quickly. Yep. And they just blatantly uh, were violating uh, safety rules. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. they're just fucking using sticks and horses. So yeah, another issue was the amount of pressure in the pipeline. And so, like we were saying, in order to keep natural gas in liquid form, it's got to be. Um, under sufficient pressure within the pipeline, uh, with, without which it'll return to an unstable gaseous state. So safe transportation will require pressure of about 84 atmospheres, which is equivalent to 840 meters or 2,756 feet underwater. That okay, much pressure. <clears throat> Say that one more time. So uh, safe transportation of a natural gas liquids. Yes, uh, N- liquid, NGL. Yeah. Uh, would require that it be under a pressure of about 84 atmospheres. Man, that's 84 fucking atmospheres awesome. is equivalent to 
840 meters below. Ah. Like if you were in the ocean, you went gotcha. 840 meters down, which is With very it. fucking. That's two for us Americans. That's 2,756 feet. Yeah. That's really fucking deep. Yeah. That's over a mile, isn't it? I don't know. What's a mile? I, fuck, man, oh come God. on, here dude. we go, man. Come on, here we go. Not doing research, coming here asking yeah. questions. Uh, fu- d- fucking 2,700 feet. I mean that. Uh, yeah. That's more than a mile, I think. I mean, it's, somebody it's Google, a long somebody ways. tell us. It's a long Email way. us. I, I, think it I think it is. But at any rate, yeah, that's a fucking long ways down. That's a lot of pressure. I mean, that's like, yeah. Yeah. That's, no, that's, that gives, yeah, that, that makes it real clear as far as what you're dealing with. Um, yeah, because it's, it's, otherwise it's just a gas that you can't see. you got to turn yeah. it into a fucking liquid, so it's going to take a lot that's of pressure cr- to man. do that. I didn't even know they did that, so that's I, pretty honestly, cool. I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's it's pretty, pretty cool. It's pretty wild. That's pretty cool. Um However, operators of this pipeline, so remember, 84 atmospheres is what we need. They usually kept it awesome. at, They usually kept it at 36 to 38 atmospheres out of fears that the thin wall of the pipe would not be able to handle higher pressures, and they're probably right. Hmm. So they were right about that. So, well, they, they, yeah, so they built it, again, not according to specifications that you would build an NGL hmm. uh, pipeline. And so what they built was too wide and, un- and not sufficiently insulated, and so they couldn't keep it under pressure because the walls are too thin right so 84 atmospheres would have bust that bitch out probably okay so it would happen anyways it's pretty much gonna happen. presumably yeah Yeah. i mean at any rate i guess they never tried it they always kept it a a much lower pressure Hmm. hours before the disaster pipeline operators received a call from the the mini bayevsky gas processing plant (laughs) nice yeah that it had detected reduced pressure in the pipeline the pipeline control room looked located 250 kilometers, and I'm sorry I didn't look that one up. Uh, just it's just going to be 250 kilometers for our UK. It's a it's a long ways. You know what's going on. We don't. That's okay. Yeah, it sounds like a long ways. Yeah. Uh, from the damage section, uh, I guess it's, it'd be about uh, a sixth of that. I think so. A mile is like 0.6. Yeah. Of a kilometer. Hey, does anybody does everybody else use metric except for us? I think one other country. All right, for our like, other listeners that are international listeners, country, like Malaysia or something. Okay. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I think so. Yeah. Well. Yeah. For for the for the rest of you. <laughs> well, I do know this: fifty kilometers is thirty-one miles. So just you know, thirty-one times three, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, there we that go. Sounds fine. <laughs> All right. So located. So the the. Pipeline control room was located 250 kilometers from the damaged section, and they had no way to verify the pressure drop as again. <laughs> there was no telemetry system, and now there are no trackmen or helicopters to perform a visual check. And I guess they called the payphone and UFA. Nobody picked up. Okay. Moreover, the conversation between the pipeline operators and gas plant managers took place just before a shift change at the pipeline control room. As the outgoing operator was in a hurry to catch the bus, he simply told the incoming operator that the pressure had dropped and would need to be increased. Thus, the incoming operator simply increased the flow of NGL at the nearest compressor station to get the pressure back to normal. This had the effect of further rupturing the pipeline and increasing the amount of uh, natural gas liquids that flowed out of it, like the volume of it. Man, he had to catch the bus, though. So he was like, oh, (laughs) something's wrong. Ain't right here. My shift's over, bitch. I get the, yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. If you live in the Soviet Union and you were doing this, you're doing a job like this. Yeah. That's pretty. And that's like, pretty you go to the you go to the grocery store. There's fucking nothing there. You gotta wait in line to get bread and stuff. I mean, I don't know if it's really that bad, but I, it sounded <laughs> like it was bad. <laughs> I doubt you'd be. I, you're not gonna work one minute past your fucking shift. Is what I'm saying. Hell when when no. your shift is done, you're fucking. I'm out. Yep. I can un, I can understand it, but you know, one would have hoped 
that he had explained the situation a little bit more. Uh, hours before the disaster, the driver of a freight train warned the rail traffic controller that there was a serious, that there were serious gas levels in the area. So I guess they could smell it. Okay. All um, right. Because, uh, however, the controller, along with having no direct means of contact, and this is the, the rail traffic controller, along with having no means of direct contact with the pipeline control room, he had no authority to stop traffic on the railway. He'd have to get permission from his, sup- his supervisors. Wait, so the rail traffic controller doesn't have... Control, control over, over the, the rail track without, without he has to go this is a very soviet like thing it's it, it's it's very it, so it's essentially a commanded state and sometimes to the point that yeah you got to like go to you've got to uh, get permission from moscow to do something way out and fucking ufa oh my but God. it was because it was the um this is part of the trans-siberian railroad oh. or railway or whatever uh and so it's you know very important and they have a strict schedule and yeah, they would not let their local controllers. They changed it after this, but they would not let their local controllers uh, make the decision to stop traffic. So stupid! How could you stop an emergency if you saw it coming? What's well, what made me think? So, so what's the point in having them? Why do you even have yeah local tra- don't call? Don't call them the controller, the rail track <laughs> yeah. controller. Don't monitor. Call them He's that. just a monitor. Yeah. I mean, because and I'm I'm super glad though that the Trans Siberian Orchestra made it out alive. I, I knew I knew you'd make a reference. To I was that. honestly hoping you would say it, but you. I just I have to say it. That's TSO. So in the meet, in the interim between when the guy reported that there seemed to be a gas leak, uh, nine freight trains passed through the gas cloud before the explosion. Oh um, my god! A later investigation a later investigation would reveal a 1.7 meter crack had developed in the pipeline at the exact point of the aforementioned bypass construction in 1985 that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Remember, this is all happening in 1989, so it still lasted a while longer. But, I mean, that the rupture didn't occur until 89. Uh, the larger diameter of the pipe, as well as the increase in flow to make up for the lost pressure, resulted in a tremendous amount of the natural gas liquids to escape from the pipeline and form into a large, highly combustible cloud, enveloping the surrounding area, including the tracks. While it is unclear what exactly ignited the cloud, most likely the trains, as they were passing each other, slowed down, the wheel brakes creating sparks, which caused ignition. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I was wondering what caused the sparks, but also at the same time, it's probably, metal probably why metal the other ones didn't. Sometimes. Why the other ones didn't go off is they were just going through, but these two were passing each other, and probably they slowed down as they passed. And because they had passengers on on the train, maybe if another train was. <laughs> What I'm saying is because they have people on the train, right. with them, they might have slowed down a bit. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you can, and yeah, and they might have been going around a bend or something. So, I mean, it's understandable they're going to slow down as they pass a train, and that's what fucking did it. That's <laughs> Maybe because there was a. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, the explosion. So we we kind of talked about this a little bit before. Some the low end of the estimates I've seen is 300 tons of TNT, while others say I've had a, a few sources say. 10 kilotons right which is and five tons away from which little, is almost as large as the um hiroshima bomb so or, it's or fat man again well, email see, us know, i'm just gonna say hiroshima because i know the one, the one that dropped on her i don't care which what it was the, the hiroshima bomb yeah the hiroshima one yes, um, yes, yes, yes not the nagasaki one we're not saying that one we're saying hiroshima <laughs> or hiroshima um, whatever you want to say it's Mas- hiroshima Mas- getting mad at, me. At, at any rate the carnage was horrific Multiple witnesses, including then-Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev, described the scene as hell. Others spoke of people burning like matches. 
I've seen some footage of the. Oh, this is me talking. <laughs> I no, I have seen. <laughs> Those are your notes. <laughs> That's my note. I just read it like. Yeah, no, I have seen some footage of the admin, and it's it's fucking gruesome. Like it's it's bad. Like I'm talking people completely like, on fire, like burned, like yeah. burned, like you, like they're all like yeah, it's bad. Burned like burnt. Like um, like, like look marshmallows. My, look my eyes. Burnt. 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 Uh yeah. Like marshmallows like, that you catch on fire um, and you never put them out. Yeah. We're going to mention now there, there's like whenever you're dealing with the Soviets, especially or the Russians in general, it seems like it's hard to get uh, straight answers or, or clear answers from their government. It's probably true of all governments, sure. but them especially. They're, they're known for being very secretive, is I'm what I'm saying. Them and the Chinese are pretty similar right. governments. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, but, I mean, I, I, they have a particular rep- reputation for being very um, secretive about stuff. And so you have to take their figures with a grain of salt. So it might be because I think their number is 575, but a lot of other people, including the memorial at the site, has it at over six, has like 675, I think. And then other people at the high end of the estimates say 780 people killed mm-hmm. in the explosion. Uh, and then you had hundreds more, uh, pro- over 800 people, maybe more than that. And remember, there's, there's what, 1,284 on, on both trains. Yeah. And then I think another, another 86 crewmen. So the vast majority of people were either killed or injured, injured. probably badly injured. And 181 of them were children. Were children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously the most common injury being burned. Some were burned all over their bodies, but yeah, they, they just happened to live. I mean, they're, they're like, so a bunch of people just were just completely lit up. It was either, some just didn't burn as badly. And so they lived, they still got burned all over their whole body. So they were in the a, middle of an explosion. It was a literal hell. Yeah. Well, that's and, why everyone kept saying that. Yeah. And then they also had a lot of brain damage, which I wonder if that was from the force of the blast. Cause remember oh, you sure. saw the, not to, I mean, I want these episodes to be like evergreen and everything, but I'll mention something recent, the the Beirut explosion, or maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. recent. Maybe it happened a long time ago. But anyways, the Beirut explosion <laughs> uh, of 2020, uh, for those who remember that, um, that was, a, you, you could see when, like the, the shockwave from that, it was like, it was just a massive, yeah. powerful explosion. Like, that shit was crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So these people were right there in the middle of it. So I wonder if a bunch of had brain damage just from the shockwave. I'm sure, yeah. Or it might have been just from stuff hitting yeah. them in the head. I think maybe the most fortunate part of this, of the explosion, the most fortunate part, if you're going to do a half, right. you know, full, um, is it happened at 1.15 a.m., I think. So hopefully a lot of them were asleep. And, they, and just, just exploded just, just, in general. Just kind of died in their sleep, basically. Yeah. Like, or killed before yeah. they even knew what was what. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure a bunch did. Um, but not everybody, uh, over a hundred ambulances were used in the rescue operation along with helicopters from a local helicopter pilot training college to carry the severely injured to hospitals. I just thought, how bad would that be? Oh man. (laughs) Of course. If one of the trainee (laughs) helicopter pilots crashed. Of course. And did another explosion, killed the rest of the people and And landed on the the rescue workers, (laughs) a chief doctor with a local ambulance service, Mikhail Kalinin. Looked back on the incident saying, quote, I was 37 years old. I came to work fair-haired and returned gray-haired. After the tragedy, we could not speak about it. It was too terrible. Heaven forbid that you will see such a human tragedy. Yeah. Is everybody named Mikhail over there? There's a lot of Mikhails. Yeah. 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 So far, the two people. So far. Well, here's a a girl. Okay. Dr. Svetlana Maskatova. Mikhail. um, Who treated... Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) 
she treated victims of the catastrophe uh, in an Ufa hospital the morning after and said she, quote, saw hell and compared the hospital to walking into Dante's Inferno. So you see in mm. that, that imagery coming up repeatedly. Yeah, it must have been. It must have been hell. Not good. Yeah. Must have been. Well, I guess all the burning, and then you're seeing charred corpses and charred Mm -hmm. victims, and And fire. I'm sure when you show, there's still fire. Yeah. Well, she was at the hospital. Uh, I don't think she was at the site, but yeah, anybody's at the site, they're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna fire and burning flesh. It's gonna be like, yeah, it would be definitely hell. What happens to all the gas? Does it just come out and it's? I get well, it it ignites and it combusts and it it goes away. It it flames out. Okay. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's not gonna still be a problem after it blows up. Right. Okay. Quote, this is, this is uh, her further quote, Dr. Svetlana Maskutova. Everyone screamed, everyone seemed filled with madness. Children ranging from two to 19 years of age were screaming, crying, shouting in hysteria, or running about frantically because of their pain and difficulty in breathing. And she further stated that one out of every six chi- uh, children died in our arms. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. So to recap the the petroleum ministry, what let's, let's go over there. Um, the seeds of destruction. Seeds of destruction. Petroleum officials, number one, ordered costs to be cut and safety rules to be violated at all stages of the project's development. Seeds of destruction. Two, lobbied for the construction of the pipeline within highly populated areas. Seeds of destruction. Three, promoted a rushed work environment and constantly raised productivity targets during construction of the pipeline. And also, they actually received government awards for the speed in which the project was completed. I got the seeds of destruction. Yeah. Four. But canceled the telemetry, the telemetry, helicopter surveillance, and manual monitoring of leaks. And finally, five. Seeds of destruction. Yeah. <laughs> neglected to inform yeah i forgot i was saying the number afterwards <laughs> anyways five neglected to inform other organizations operating in the immediate vicinity about the absence of leakage detective equipment on the pipeline so other people didn't know that they didn't know what the fuck was going on apparently the citizens of ufa didn't know that they were actually the pipeline monitors oh uh-huh. <laughs> no, nobody told them nobody told them to get the sticks and the like, horses hey, nobody told the random people walking around that they were actually in charge of uh investigating leaks you're, in the pipeline. you're in charge of smelling stuff so yeah. And I'm in Alabama again. So <laughs> let's just smell things. <laughs> Partner. <laughs> now I went over to Texas. All right. Ultimately, the investigation of the culpable officials went on for six years, uh, during which the Soviet Union collapsed. How crazy would that be if you're, like, being tried for something in the country trying you uh, just disappears? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm a free man. I don't know. Where did everyone go? They just, they just not, just, everyone just not show up to work anymore. So you just, uh, yeah, I'm just walk home. I'm just, I don't know. And all, so they were, they were charged under a law in which the maximum penalty could, was only five years. And I don't even know that anyone spent any time in prison. It kind of got just, it's not even well known in Russia. Uh, it was not well covered there. And it was not well covered internationally because the Tiananmen Square protests were going on at the same time. Yeah. You know, like who the, you, you remember the tank man? Oh yeah. Remember tank you know man. what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Um, that, that was June or what was this? June 5th. Um, that was the day after this. Yeah. You're not going to hear about it. Even and, if, and, but, and, and obviously those protests had already been going on for a while. Yeah. So it was just, that was dominating the news. And like the, one of the reporters in one of the articles I read, he talked to several former Soviet officials, including a guy that was the chief, uh, the Soviet chief of the general staff. And he didn't, he'd never heard of it. 
Oh my That's God. how badly it was like they, because they, apparently the government tried to basically intentionally covered it up, but also it was easy to do because everyone was paying it. Like China was a huge story and everyone's paying attention to that. And it just got like barely buried. covered in their own country. They got buried. Um, so an annual, uh, to, to conclude, an annual commemoration is held at the Ulu Teliak station near the site of the disaster where a memorial is also located. And Ulu then, Teliak. And then you want to hear an interesting miscellaneous fact? A miscellaneous fact. Yes, I would love to hear that. Exactly one year prior, on June 4th, 1988, there had been another train explosion in Russia in the city of Arzamas. Wow. For the same reasoning? Uh, it was different. No, different circumstances. It was not a, it was not a gas pipeline. There was actually explosives on the train that ignited somehow. I'm sorry. I could get past the... the I, I didn't hear what you said because I couldn't stop thinking why I said the same reasoning. Because I didn't like that. Well, yeah. I, mean, I don't know why I said that. I think it, <laughs> the fuck it, is wrong with me? Um, no, it's not the same reasons. Reason, um, yeah. It was not a gas pipeline. It was uh, okay. explode. The, the train was uh, transporting explosives. TNT. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It, it was, was transporting it was parts natural of gas. <laughs> NPLs, NGLs, NPLs. Come on, Josh. Were you even listening to the story? <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Man. I never heard of that in my life. I don't know how you found it, no. but congratulations. No, that yeah. was a good one. It was a good one. I enjoyed that one. I really did. Um, it's very, it's just crazy. It's just crazy you don't hear about something like that, but fucking. I had what? fun doing the Seeds of Destruction in different. I need to write down different genres and maybe spin a wheel and you see, and I'll just, you know, spin it after you point at me hey, you can, and yeah. see what genre comes up and I'll do it in that. Yeah. Or we can do celebrity voices. Well, I, well, you can't do accents, can you? No, I can do Alabama. No, okay. I can do Southern, and I can do I can maybe do <laughs> you a, can do Southern. I can and do a other, Bill Cosby. Other Southern. I can do. A, nah, well, we don't <laughs> we don't want that. Rudy, Theo. <laughs> That's it. And I maybe sometimes I could do a Mickey Mouse if I'm feeling, or and maybe a Mario, but that's stupid. So yeah, let's just that do, is stupid. We can just do genres. You music. Do music genres is fine. Um, okay, I liked it, and yeah. I learned the word telemetry, and I like Tele- that. I, you I like know, saying you that. know, I'll be, I'm, I'll be real with you. I didn't know the fucking word. I was like, what telemetry? Telemetry. I think of. I'm it's pretty it's sure a, I've seen it. It's before. how you measure and mm-hmm. record data from an yeah. instrument. Yeah, I looked it up. It's sort of cool, like um, honestly, a cool word. I like yeah, it. it's sort of like the Air Florida Flight ninety. Yeah, their telemetry was not working. That's right. They didn't know their Good engines were frozen. Yeah. Good callback. You need that telemetry, bro. You need that telemetry. Don't forget to go to telemetry school. Telemetry school. To elementary school. Get it? Mm-hmm. Cutting that out. <laughs> Leaving it in, bitch. I don't give a fuck. Thank you guys so much for listening about my cat at the top of this. And cat uh, that you're just throwing out in the streets. Yeah. No, not throwing Defend out for in the itself. streets. No, no, no. He's never no, been that's outside. That's what he said. That's what he no, said. That's not what I said. But uh, we love you. Thank you for listening to us. So here's here's my here's my Shake. dilemma. You, you know you know I think about things. Yeah. If you say dilemma one more fucking time, <laughs> it's about your it's about your uh, your sign off. Okay, let's hear See, it. See, it doesn't matter how careful you are, because yeah. these people were just on a fucking train. Yeah. If your train's taking you into a fucking gas cloud mm-hmm. and it's gonna blow your ass up. Don't matter how careful you are. Yeah. We, we live in a macabre reality, whether you like it or not. That's true. So stay safe out there and be careful not to find yourself in your own macabre reality. <laughs> bye. <laughs> say bye, Matt. Peace. Say bye. 
the storm.